we often need to be reminded that uh, this is not our eternal home. This is not our heaven. This is not our final resting place. There are many people who live as if it is, and they're trying to make it into a utopia. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Today I want to talk about suffering. I'm doing a series at my church on 2 Timothy, and in that epistle, in that letter to Timothy from Paul, Paul is trying to get Timothy to understand that he wants him to suffer in the gospel. He wants him to suffer for righteousness' sake, um, that it is what he is called to as a servant of Christ, as a leader in the church. Um, It's not uncommon. Christ himself suffered. Paul himself suffered. It's a natural course that comes with those who stand for righteousness and truth and stand on the side of the gospel. But as I was going through that, it made me think, you know, there are different types of suffering I think there are three primary ones, and so I wanted to talk about those together because I think sometimes we can read a biblical passage and we read our type of suffering, which is not necessarily a biblical suffering, into the passage to gain truths from it, and I think that can be unhelpful. Also, in my conversation with David Robertson, uh, David pointed out in his latest book, Ask, Ask, Seek, Knock, that he asked questions of children from around the world. And um, the primary questions about suffering, he said, came from only first world countries. And I found that shocking that kids in the third world weren't asking about suffering. You'd think the people who seem to be suffering the most would have the most questions about it. And yet they're not. And so my question to him was why? And he pointed out that In the West, we have this view of God as a sort of grandfather. Um, And any of you with kids or, or, or grandparents, you'll definitely understand that image because grandparents just want to give good things. Uh, It's not their duty, their role to give discipline, to teach, uh, to allow suffering in some sense uh, or or discipline for um, correcting wrongs, for giving a, a stability in life. And so we have that view of who God is. We're not going to understand suffering, and we're going to think that God is not—his um, thoughts aren't cogent, that he's just angry sometimes, and sometimes he's happy. But the reality is God is a father. He's described as a father, and a father disciplines his children because he wants what's good for them. He wants what's right. A grandfather has already done that with his children, and so now he wants to love on his grandchildren. Uh, Not that grandparents can't discipline, certainly, but they're not typically recognized as being the, the ones who do that role. And so I think it's helpful for us to think, think through these things. And the three categories that I want to talk about are first, the deserved suffering, the, the suffering that comes as a consequence of, a direct consequence of our sin. The second is innocent suffering, or what I would call um, the suffering that is common to mankind. None of us are immune from that type, um, and I'm sure it has affected all of us in some capacity. 
And the third type is the one that Paul talks about in 2 Timothy and really in, in a lot of his epistles, and certainly Peter talks about in 1 Peter, and that's suffering for righteousness' sake, um, doing what is right, proclaiming what is true, um, standing with Christ, standing with the gospel, and suffering on behalf of it. Um, and so we'll walk through these things. I will say I've, I've read a couple of other articles, and... Um, there are certainly other types of sufferings. I mean, we can think of empathetic suffering, um, and the Bible certainly in Second Corinthians talks about, you know, suffering with those who suffer. Um, we mourn with those who mourn. We uh, there's an element of truth to, you know, we suffer when we bear one another's burdens. There's also collective suffering. So we suffer as a people group, uh, as a nation, as an ethnic group, as a family. There's something that affects everyone within that collective. Um, and then how do we relate? How do we deal with that? How do we bear those things? But essentially, I think all of those uh, boil down to these three, the suffering for sin, the suffering that's common to man, and the suffering for righteousness' sake. And so I wanted to just take a few minutes and think through those uh, together. First, the suffering that is deserved, the suffering for sin. Um, we suffer misery for sin. Sin always spawns misery. That's just what it does. Uh, Numbers thirty-two twenty-three says, Be sure your sin will find you out. You may even escape it for a time. But eventually, these things catch up with us. I think of um, an adulterer. An adulterer commits a sin against themselves and their family, their spouse, and they pay the consequences of that. And the consequences tend to be that their relationship, their marriage relationship is broken. Um, and, and they are also committed to sin against the, the other person and perhaps their family or, or whoever they're connected with. Um, and so there is a, a, a ripping apart, a breaking down of, of a once good relationship. And so the consequences are the fallout of that. Sometimes it's just another adult. Often it's an, another adult and children. But there's a certainly bearing of that weight, of that, the, the consequences of that sin. That's a direct one-to-one relationship. I think of Second Samuel, you know, when, when David commits adultery with Bathsheba and has Uriah killed, and David and Bathsheba lose the first child that's conceived from that adulterous affair, Nathan the prophet comes to him and tells him, because you have done these things, you will lose the child. Now, I think it's extremely important that we not infer certain sins to certain consequences that that we can tend to overreach as humans. We tend to want to associate some guilt, some sin with some suffering that we may be facing. And I think sometimes we tend to overreach, uh, we overexamine uh, in an unhelpful way, and we think God is is judging us when when sometimes our situation, our circumstances, are not that direct. They're actually what we'll look at in the second category, the suffering that is common to man. So anyone who may have lost a child, that story of David does not then immediately draw the connection between um, affairs or murder to, to the losing of a child. I use that example because the prophet Nathan is very specific with David, this is why you're suffering. 
we don't have the prophets today to, um, to tell us these things. But as I used in the earlier example, there are certain things that we know are the natural outflow from the sin that has been committed. Again, the, the example of adultery, the breaking down of the family, the breaking of the relationship, that's a natural outflow. The second type of suffering, what is common to man, the innocent suffering. Um, this one is always a challenge um, from a pastoral perspective because we understand the why question comes and when we don't have an answer, you know, when we don't have that direct answer, um, it's hard. Um, the best thing I can think of is that these sufferings, these types of sufferings, the, the natural disasters, the racial prejudice, abortion. Now, those have guilty parties in them, but the recipient of racial prejudice is innocent. There's nothing that they have done that is incorrect. Um, Children who have been aborted, they have not done anything that is incorrect, and yet there is suffering in both of those cases. And so the question of why comes up. And to be honest, it's the, it's the fact that we live in a broken world. It's the fact that we need to understand the fall of man, that man has chosen not God and moved in another direction. The Bible talks about that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were all born dead. I know that sounds paradoxical, but, but it's true. We're all born dead in sin, and we need the redemption of Christ. And so those types of sufferings remind us that this world is broken. Now, you could laugh at that and think, well, we don't really need the reminder, but sometimes we do. Um, we often need to be reminded that uh, this is not our eternal home. This is not our heaven. This is not our final resting place. There are many people who live as if it is, and they're trying to make it as best they can into a utopia. And some of those intentions are honorable. Um, some are just misled. You know, the, the world will never be perfect. And so we do need those reminders. And the reminder is that the world is broken, but for the believer, it's that we have a perfect home. <laughs> there will be a day when there is no more suffering and there's no more tears and there's no more sadness. But there will be Christ, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, and all of us gathered together as the people of God, worshiping and praising him. And it'll be a joyous time. It'll be a wonderful time. And all those things will have passed away. The old earth will have passed away. And in some sense, it's such a beautiful picture, and it's really, it's the picture of the gospel. It's what Christ has ushered in. He's ushered in the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is the, the people of God gathered together, and we get little windows of that uh, when we gather together as, as believers in Christ, and we go to church, and we sing praise to him, and we minister to people, and we see um, restoration of relationships, and we see uh, a transformation of hearts and minds uh, into the likeness of Christ. People who have put off their old self are dying to self and are becoming the new man, the new woman. And it's really a beautiful picture. That's the second type of suffering. The third type of suffering is suffering for righteousness sake, suffering for Christ, suffering for the gospel. Paul in Second Timothy 
He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that persecution, that suffering, is the suffering for righteousness' sake. And we just talked about how the world is broken, and it needs its Redeemer, and it needs its Savior. But often the world doesn't recognize that it's broken. Uh, People don't recognize that they need a Redeemer, a Savior. And so when someone comes with the message that you need this thing, that this is a good thing, often they push against it. The idea that they are beholden to a creator who will hold all accountable, who will eventually come and judge all, offers mercy and grace at the moment, they will reject that. And there is a, a suffering for righteousness sake. Peter in First Peter in chapter 4 writes about the suffering as a Christian. And he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, suffering for righteousness' sake, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the the gospel of God? And so that one, even Peter is talking about the different types of suffering, right? He's talking about don't suffer as someone who is an evildoer, a a murderer, a thief, a liar. Um, Don't suffer for that, for those reasons. He's even drawing the line and the distinction between suffering for righteousness and suffering for evil, for sin. And so we know that the suffering for Christ, um, it will be a challenge. It's not, no one writes that it's easy. Um, Paul himself writes that uh, he's not ashamed of the gospel in Romans. Uh, At other points, he asks for churches to pray for him that he would not be ashamed of the gospel because typically shame goes hand in hand with suffering. We feel shame because we know that suffering will come if we side with something that people disagree with. And so Paul is constantly asking to be built up by the churches through prayer um, to stand strong for the truth of the gospel, the, the gospel message that says that we are all wicked and we are all turned hearts against God and we need to turn to Christ, our Redeemer and our Savior. But we also know that Christ has told us that um, we should also expect to suffer because he suffered. Uh, he underwent shame and suffering for his own namesake, for who he was, for what he came to do, and yet he brought salvation. And so we can rest assured in the salvation that he has secured for us in his death and resurrection. And so we can actually therefore bear through that grace that Christ gives us, we can bear the shame, we can bear the suffering because we know our future, we know where our hope is, we know that this is not our eternal home, but we look forward to that city that is built not with hands of human hands, but built by God. And so this is just a a brief conversation about a massive topic, but I hope it's been helpful. I hope that whatever it is that you may be going through, if any of you are are suffering um, in in any form, that you're able to categorize it helpfully. 
that you know whether it is something you're suffering because of sin or it's something that you're suffering uh, because it's just common to mankind or whether you're really truly suffering for the gospel, suffering for Christ's kingdom. And we pray for you. We pray that uh, God would uh, build you up. If it's something you need to confess and repent, that you'd bring that before him, that you would know that that sin has been cast into the sea once you've confessed it and repented of it, and that Christ uh, desires, the Spirit desires, that you would go forth to continue to grow in in the gospel truth, uh, to continue to grow in the likeness of Christ, and continually have that heart of repentance where you're laying those things down. For none of us seek to suffer for unrighteousness sake. For the things that are common to man, that we'd be reminded that the world is broken and fallen, and we would see Christ in that. And we would have words of hope and joy and life to others who are suffering in the, in the same capacity. That we tell them about the great hope that we have for our future, our eternity with Christ, where there will be no more of this common suffering. And if it is a suffering for Christ, that you would be strengthened, that, uh, that the Spirit would intercede and, and, and build you up in faith and in strength and in love, that you would be able to bear this with great patience, and that the Lord would bring alongside helpful workmates who can encourage you and even suffer with you, um, that you don't feel alone in that suffering for the sake of Christ, for the sake of his gospel. These are just some of my thoughts on this issue. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you have any follow-up questions to this topic, we'd love to address them. And um, we'll continue to pray for you, our listeners, and uh, pray that you be blessed. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. If you liked today's episode, please share it with a friend, leave a review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. By subscribing, you make sure that you will never miss an episode, and it's delivered to you as soon as we release it. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit ltw.org candid to connect with these pages, and please share your questions with me. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.